Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 482 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight you've tuned in for our deep dive episode for welcome in for that. And we're just going to kind of jump right into it. We had a, a little week off because I was under the weather, so we're back to it. And thanks for tuning in for hopefully some information and maybe a little entertainment. And then we'll let you get about the business of the rest of your life. So let's go ahead and introduce ourselves before we dive in. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right, so our deep dive topic for the night, Linux networking on the command line. Now, Bill, you said you had a seed of an idea from something you saw on Reddit or somewhere else that we should maybe cover some of the command line utilities that help you navigate the world of networking and processes on a Linux machine. And so we got a few things lined up here that we're going to talk about, some commands, tell you what they do, how to use them. And most of these have a lot of flags or switches or whatever you want to call it that, that allow you to do all kinds of nifty things with them. But it should make your life a little easier when it comes to managing your Linux box, specifically in the networking and process space with some CLI tools. So do you want to start off uh, with with the first one here? We're... we're we're starting off with network configuration. One thing we're not going to do in this episode is dive into firewalls specifically. That's a whole other topic. It's certainly network and process related, but it would take way too much time to do on top of the sort of uh, shallow deep dive, if you will, that we're going to we're going to do tonight. So the first thing we want to talk about is the the sort of current world of managing your network interfaces. So uh, go ahead and start, and we'll see where we get. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just go ahead and say uh, I I, I kind of got the uh, inkling for this topic on an article that was basically posted last year in 2021 on the Red Hat site called Seven uh, or entitled Seven Linux Networking Commands That Every Sysadmin Should Know. And uh, I was just kind of digging around in it, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that I shouldn't be using ARP and Netstat and stuff like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so why, yeah why the kinda, hell not i use arp like i know a hundred times a day I, <laughs> I know oh i didn't realize there's new commands for all this stuff as well uh, in there using the ip command so i was like well this might be a good refresher not only for our audience but also for me just because uh, you know i haven't really haven't really i mean you know you you throw in a, a live cd these days and you know almost everybody's set up for dhcp at their home so they don't really think about the uh the goriness of networking, you know, unless you start to install like servers and stuff like that, 
in Linux. And uh, that's kind of where a lot of this stuff kind of comes in hand when you want to do some stuff on the command line where you're not necessarily installed with a, you know, fancy GUI and, uh, you know, network config manager right on your uh, your desktop that you could just go in and say, oh, yeah, I want to add to my, uh, my wireless config. I want to add my uh, my Ethernet configuration and and so on and so forth. So I thought this might be just a kind of a good uh, a good primer or even a reminder of of what's out there and even equivalency in some of the commands that maybe some of us, you know, users that have been, you know, in Linux for quite a while are used to using uh, like ARP, netstat and ifconfig and stuff like that. Um, where there's, there's other commands out there that uh, also uh, supply the same information, uh, if, if not better uh, organized uh, in display, because obviously uh, this is an evolution, uh, evolution of uh, network tools that are out there. But uh, yeah, we kind of split it up in uh, a few different ways. We started with the network configuration, uh, and then we go on to network tools, and then we, we were going to talk about some other tools. Uh, but the first uh, first tool we have is a part of the configuration setup, and that one's called uh, NMCLI. And what that is, is a command line tool for controlling the network manager. And I think uh, a lot of people are familiar, at least, with the network manager, because that's literally the GUI that's sitting on top <laughs> <laughs> for most of the uh, modern uh, modern uh, uh, distributions, uh, although some do use the other one that we'll talk about here in a few minutes uh, called NetPlan, uh, which I think, uh, is that the Ubuntu one that you see? I believe that is the newer Ubuntu one, yes. And I think newer, other things use it too. Yeah, so you might run into either one of these things uh, with, uh, with uh, your distribution, depending upon what actually uh, is kind of like installed by default. Uh, so you'll most likely have one of these two. And uh, if you just go into NM uh, CLI and you just happen to type the command, you'll actually get uh, all your ex- existing connections will just go ahead and pop up in the console first, uh, which kind of gives you a kind of an overview of everything that's already configured. Um, and from this point here, you can actually do some configuration of your uh, your connections. Like right now, mine's showing my wired connection, uh, my IP address and, and routing, and also the uh, IPv6 addressing and routing as well. Um, and then on this particular computer, I have uh, I have uh, tail scale on it, so it does show the tail scale device and whether it's connected and how it's addressed and routed as well. Um, maybe you can go into a little of the details, Russ, on um, the actual network manager configuration, because I think it goes quite a bit deeper than just the CLI. I, I try to stay away from an MCLI <laughs> and the network manager if I can. I mean, literally, if it's not in the GUI being used to configure like the VPN configuration or just your interface configs, I don't tend to use it unless I have to. I, I sort of like doing it the old Debian way, and a lot of mach- my machines are Debian. So I have like the interfaces script and stuff like that for doing this. Uh, so I, I might have a little insight, but what exactly are you trying to get to as far as like the actual, uh, configuration files and things like that? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I can go over a little bit about the command. Some of the things you could do within the NMCLI is obviously you can, uh, you can take a look at the status of the, the, uh, the configuration, the status of your connections. You can set your host name. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, if they're not given a way to set the host name, they're either uh, doing it the old-fashioned way, which is uh, what host name or host. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so there's a you can actually set your host name in here. Uh, permissions you can uh, change your logging level 
for uh, for all your uh, configuration changes. Uh, as well, you can uh, you can turn on and off uh, connections as well via this uh, through NMCLI networking, and then on and off. Um, I'm trying to see, like, uh, I haven't actually used this as that much. <laughs> I've edited the configuration files by hand, and th- then I found out that there's a, a nice little command line tool that kind of goes along with it. So normally I go in and, and edit the uh, the comp file that sits behind all of this stuff, um, but uh, the NMCLI actually uh, allows you to uh, interact with that and uh, and reset and reload the configuration based upon your configuration changes to ensure that, you know, especially, especially if you have a server or something like that, um, that uh, that your configuration works. It does. If you just like the NMCLI command, you get a list of your interfaces. It's kind of like doing IF config or IP config. One of those. You do get the base information, your ARP address, your INET four, your INET six routing, so on and so forth. And you also get a list of other devices that aren't necessarily in use. Anything that's disconnected, any tunnel interfaces that aren't in use, or loopback stuff like that. So just the basic command is great. And, and for most of these, if not all of them, a dash H or a dash dash help will get you important information. The configuration for network manager is under slash Etsy slash network manager, capital N, capital M. And there's, there's comp files in there, uh, D directories where sub, you know, sub configuration files will be, uh, they're, they're numbered in the, you know, 10 dash, 20 dash for order of reading and stuff like that. So those, those kind of conventions will, will travel through when you look at this. And if you look into any of the files that are defined, you should be able to, this, the syntax is pretty straightforward. There's, it's a lot of uh, human readable type stuff. It's actually kind of in the style of a uh, sysconfig or, or syscontrol. Um, this, the syntax is very similar. I'm just happening to, I'm just- Digging down into mine right now. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot in mine on the on the particular machine I'm on because this is one that actually uses this is an Ubuntu box that uses a, a net, network manager and then MCLI and stuff. There's stuff in Dispatcher, stuff in Comp, stuff in DNS Mask for doing DNS. Um, get your uh, your up scripts, your down scripts. And let's see, I have a connection called wired.nm connection i think that's what was set in the gui i called it wired so that that's where your configuration will be and you can see the config blocks in there and everything what the address is and it's it's all pretty human readable so you can get a lot of information just by looking at these comp files but again it's probably an overly complex system for stuff that most people won't even have to dive into yeah, like the only way, the only reason I I say that you might need this is like let's say you're on a um, you're on a server which I install a uh, you know a Fedora server quite often on Pies and small boxes and uh, let's say you want to set something like your wireless configuration while you're in the command line uh, this is a good place to actually do that because if you go into NMCLI device and then you can uh, actually look and see what the Wi-Fi can see. So kind of very similar to uh, what's shown when you say, oh, I want to see all my uh, all the Wi-Fi networks that are nearby. Uh, you can do that all via the command line as well. You can also do the connect, a Wi-Fi connect uh, via that as well, which is, is just very helpful <laughs> on a on a command line only box uh, where you need to set that. So uh, th- this could be a very useful command if you're using 
uh, systems like um, you know Fedora for sure uses a network manager. Arch uses network manager. I believe Debian does by itself. Uh, but in the Ubuntu and in uh, Pop OS, I noticed that they use the the other the other one, which is uh, NetPlan. I noticed on my particular machine, which I think is a Jammy Box, it's using an MCLI or a network manager. But and NetPlan is also installed. But if you do like a NetPlan info or a NetPlan get all, it doesn't show anything because it's not actually using it. But the command is there, so you can see what it does and you can see how to use it. And of course, the man the man page is there as well. So lots of information there using man and info. Let's see if there's an info file for it. Oh yeah, sure is. Yep, lots of lots of gory details on NetPlan. Uh, same with NMCLI. So. Yeah, and I think uh, NetPlan basically uh, sits on top of uh, Network Manager anyway. So, uh, but I did notice that on the, the Ubuntu or the Pop OS box, I didn't have uh, an MCLI available to me. Oh, that's interesting. If it's if it's sitting on top of it, I mean, of course, like I said, it's the. Uh, well, you also have System D Network D or System yeah System D has its own network. So that's like the other the other side. So your two different network renderers are. Network Manager and System D Network D, the, the softer side of network management. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the obscurity <laughs> of network management. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, knowing that the the fact that these commands exist, especially when you're in the server environments, are are kind of uh, useful because uh, you can set all kinds of stuff with the tools we're going to talk about a little bit later. But like that does not impact the configuration when you reboot the box. Right, unless you do something to write write those config files out and make the changes persistent, but <clears throat> yeah, so that's that's what all the backend config files for. And like I said, the NMCLI one is in the sort of systemd scripting type syscontrol type config files, and then NetPlan uses YAML, which the YA of course stands for yet another. So YAML is yet another markup language, and it's just another way to make people learn something that it's already been done a hundred different times, but (laughs) so, so if you're into like XML or text file scripting or JSON or anything like that, this is different just to be different. So, yeah. Yeah. Yet another configuration tool utility, right? Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Y-A-C-U-T. Yakut. (laughs) <laughs> Yet another reason to go insane. Uh, yart, what is that? Yeah, Yart G. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just this is kind of like a, a just to understand the fact that you do have a command line utility that allows you to edit the uh, comp files and the YAML files uh, via the command line without actually opening up your editor and assuring yourself that you have put in proper syntax in your comp file um, as well. So, uh, so th- these are kind of two, two useful, uh, command line utilities or command line interfaces to, uh, uh, to that networking manager, whether it's network manager or it's, uh, system D network D, um, that are uh, very useful to know, especially if you're deploying server based, um, installations where there's no UI to actually interact with the networking or where you have a, an instance where you do not have a DHCP server or you're connecting to a Wi-Fi on a server. Um, a little server box, what that, you know, that's a Raspberry Pi or whatnot. Um, and, uh, the only access you have is through the console to start with. So, 
um, I, I think it's it's useful to know <laughs> that, that these these are going to be the utilities that you'll probably use that will make your life uh, you know a little bit easier than having to edit the uh, the comp file. I know the first time I went in, I was editing the comp files and then rebooting the box, and um, it would have saved me a little bit of time if I had a I had to like oh yeah I, I didn't realize there's actual tools that <laughs> I can interact with them and and change the things live and and not have to uh, reload the things uh, manually. Or, you know, just restart networking or whatever. Um, but uh, these tools can help you actually live change it and uh, and make those uh, changes persistent. Yeah, very good. And, of course, if you're in the GUI environment, then a lot of these commands are what's being done in the back end. And it's just being obfuscated by the graphical utils. And uh, Network Manager actually shows up, I think, by name in GNOME on top of Ubuntu and stuff like that. But not NetPlan. So it's all configured on the back end if you're if you're going through the desktop environment, but it's all using the same utilities. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to tools because I think this is kind of where I I kind of got a little bit more of an education. <laughs> yes, and I did I did a, I'm doing like a side by side comparison of the ARP command versus the IP neighbor command, and yeah, whatever they're the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that the uh, IP neighbor command comes up much quicker. I don't know if you noticed that on your network. It does seem to come up a little bit quicker too, but they're both pretty fast. So yeah, I mean, I used to always do an ARP TAC A is normally what show all yep. addresses. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Old school stuff. Yeah, and the IP neighbor kind of already does that. Um, so yeah, we're talking about the IP command. So if you uh, just type IP, and of course you can do you know man dot IP or man space IP and get a manual uh, or info like we learned uh, what a few episodes ago, right? That's the uh, the other man. Is the info the, right? The more detailed man than man. The, the more detailed man. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's the man. It's the man's man. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, ARP for for all of you old guys, right? Is the yeah, address resolution protocol, <laughs> and that basically shows all your network, uh, your layer two addresses, all your MAC addresses that that you can you can hear from your interface. Uh, and you know, we used to do the ARP TAC A, which shows all addresses that you can hear. And sometimes this would help if you needed to statically assign an IP address to to a MAC address that didn't have an IP address. And I think that's about the only thing I've ever used it for beyond just some just general troubleshooting of of uh, broadcast networks. And I think that's probably maybe maybe you can address some of that, too. The ARP command or IP command? Ar- ARP. Yeah, I mean, literally, if I'm not typing ARP A just to see if my pings are actually receiving or if there's a who is on the network, then I never use it for anything but that. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, like, uh, when this, a lot of the stuff I think isn't as common anymore because most things are smart enough now that they, uh, they grab their own addresses. But, uh, but I've, I, you know, generally, if you plugged in a device that cannot get its own address, and there's no other way to talk to it. Let's say it doesn't have an interface, but it does have a MAC address. Um, you can assign a local, you know, private network address that you can route to locally against a MAC address uh, using the ARP command. Um, and I'm assuming you can do the same through the IP command as well. Um, I, although I haven't tried that. I believe you can quick. create a, well, what's the name for that thing? There was a... Uh, I mean, it's like a static ARP, but there's an, a bogus ARP, basically, creating a bogus ARP for for being able to create a reachability if the ARP actually isn't coming through. I haven't found too much useful to do with that, but 
it it's a thing that you can do. Yeah. So I'm, I can't type tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I got two computers in front of me. So it's like kind of confusing. I'm like, which keyboard am I touching? Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can see on your, uh, on your IP neighbor and let's just do, I'm going to do an RPA just so I can see. So the nice part about IP neighbor as well, I guess that's the same. Yeah. RPA also shows the IP addresses. You'll see devices that don't have IP addresses that you can see their layer two address. So that, that's kind of an indication that it's not, not getting an address. But yet it's on your uh, your broadcast network, so you can see it within your network. And again, that's you can statically set that address um, for sure using ARP. But uh, I'm not sure how to statically sign one when using IP. Can you do that through IP? Okay. You said something is that bogus address or fake address or something yeah, bogus like that? ARP. Yeah, so, something like that. It's a term I haven't used in a long time. I just did something really weird. It turns out that, and this may be useful for somebody. But if you use the dash J flag in IP, then the results come back in JSON format. <laughs> so if you uh, if you do IP dash J neighbor, you you get the table back in uh, in JSON. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we're learning all kinds of stuff here on, the, <laughs> on this. So uh, yeah, so you you might not have any any use for it, but uh, I think knowing at least that there is an alternative to using the ARP command um, is, is useful. Um, uh, the IF command, IF config command, or uh, I don't know, is IP, IP config? In, I thought that's only Windows. It is only Windows, yes. Okay, so yeah, IP config is a Windows thing. So IF config is, uh, is from the NetTools project, and uh, it is normally how you would fear addresses or, oh, I'm typing the wrong thing again, config. Oh, I really can't type. There we go. Yeah, so that shows your IP addresses and everything else for each of your interfaces. As well, if you use the IP command, you can just do IP space address, and that will show you, again, all of the addresses for all your devices, as well as how they're numbered in the system. Uh, and then if you do IP link, you can also see, uh, that shows the link status of each one where your IF config kind of wraps all that stuff up together. So it's a little bit of a, uh, a separation inside of the IP command, but uh, I believe the IP command does show a little bit more verbose information as I'm typing it and looking through it. And uh, the J works for all of these commands. If you want any of this stuff back in JSON, because you really like to read JSON, you're, uh, you're good to go. <laughs> so yeah, if you're writing your own little tool to sit in front of this, that's probably an easy way to... Uh, to consume that data instead of actually having to uh, parse out uh, fixed field lengths and stuff like that. Did you talk about the IP netconf? No, I did not. An IP netconf is kind of neat. That's this is getting really down into it, but it shows you actual like TCP and IP and like uh, OSI model stack information about about links, like whether they're in forwarding states, whether proxy neighbor is on, whether they're in loose RP filter mode, stuff like that. So this is, this is really down into the, the TCP IP stack part of your interfaces. But if you really want to see how complicated things can be, <laughs> you can try something like IP netconf. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try it? Yeah, I just did. That, that's pretty cool. That, uh, that definitely more information than most users actually need, but uh, in interesting nonetheless. 
Um, the the first thing that comes across in those links is the fact is the forwarding state of the interface, which might be the most useful bit of information that it returns. Because if you find that your, you know, if your forwarding is is set incorrectly or something like that, you may not be passing traffic or anything. So it, it might give you some insight. Yeah, um, I guess uh, I guess we'll do uh, the IP route next because that's. Uh, that's going to be the same as uh, your route show, right? Route show. Let's see. No, route. Just route, right? Just route. Yep. They're not exactly the same, but they're very similar. Yeah, IP route. So, yeah, if you're used to using uh, route, it does uh, show a table a little bit differently uh, than the table you see when you do IP space route. Uh, however, it does, uh, does contain the same information, although uh, it's very... Uh, well, the IP route is more... Uh, I guess you would say uh, succinct. Yeah, so it just basically shows you the default route instead of uh, you know breaking out the default route into your underscore gateway and then your you know generated mask for it, which would be your zero dot zero dot zero zero address and so on and so forth. Right. Um, IP route yeah. shows you insider instead of all broken out. So. Yeah, and the nice part is if you want to look at like you know more information on the route command inside of IP space route, you can actually just do man IP space route, and uh, you will you will get all the details to see how to uh, show your route, flush your routes, or do anything else that you need to do, like maybe even add a static route. Um, this is useful if you need to. Uh, um, let's say you have multiple VLANs that you're connected to, and you have multiple IP addresses. And you want to control the routing between those addresses from the local machine that's connected across those. Uh, you can do that all within uh, within IP route, and that's about the only thing I think of that you would actually need that for uh, specifically on a Linux box, unless you're actually uh, uh, doing specific, uh, you know, using your Linux box as a router. <laughs> I guess it's important to note here that IP is a command that can do sets as well as gets. In other words, you can change information as well as retrieve it. So. It's a configuration utility as well as an information portal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it gives you a lot of information, and then you can also set it. Now, like we said at the beginning, these these sets, if you set something here, it's not persistent. So if you reboot, none of the stuff you changed here will be persistent. You need to make sure that these get back to the configuration uh, using you know something like NMCLI or NetPlan and to ensure that the, the data is persistent or the settings are persistent across reboots. I guess we can talk about netstat. Netstat huh? again. Netstat. What tech A is what uh, the general use is. <laughs> I use uh, <clears throat> for me. My go-to is netstat dash A N P. Um, yeah, that's the one I always use because it associates because it gives you the data in numeric format. It it scrubs the DNS lookups and it gives you the process, the name of the process associated with each port. Ah, yeah, that's good. I like that. Now, can you do the same with the SS, huh? Uh, you can give SS ANP, and wow, that's a crazy output on that. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, doesn't yeah. seem particularly useful. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking there might be a, a different switch for SS, but SSS listed as like the newer version of the command for netstat. So there's a there's a SS tech E which is extended which might cover what you're talking about. Let's see here. Yeah, it shows which service is associated to uh, uh, oh, which yeah. port. 
Yeah, there's so, lots of information that gets dumped out of uh, Dash E. Yeah, that's that's nice. Is there? A, can you get that in JSON? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's try. <laughs> Let's see. SS Tech EJ, right? Uh, yeah, no, it, it does not work. like J. No. <laughs> you would think, right? It's like, oh, it's got to add it in there. Um, but yeah, like like I said, there's a there's a lot of different uh, you know information you can find from that Netstat or uh, SS is uh, very useful for knowing which uh, which applications have which ports open. Uh, what what is actually connected to those ports? It's very good for troubleshooting any type of connectivity issues where you may or may not have a uh, an application connecting to a specific service. Let's say you had WSJTX up and you had your UDP uh, server running on it, you could verify that it's actually running um, from that that particular service or not running. So if you're sending messages and it's not receiving anything, or it's sending messages and you're not receiving anything, uh, this would be your go to to kind of see if the the services are actually starting up and they're actually connecting and and launching on the correct ports. Uh so uh it's it's very useful information I think. Uh once you get down into uh kind of that area of the net stack where you're looking at uh application protocols and and seeing exactly where they're running from. Um and again, that's about the only time I've ever used it when I'm I'm trying to troubleshoot uh if some service is starting, you know, specifically like, you know, even recontrol D, you know, you can always do a PS you know, techie or whatever, AUX or EF or whatever, and look for the process and see if it's running. But uh, if you wanted to see actually what port it actually came up on as listening for or, or uh, transmitting from, uh, you you can always check using Netstat or SS for that particular uh, that particular information. Yep, absolutely. SS is kind of a new one on me. I've only used it recently, but uh, it's, it's nice. I like it. And it's a really short command as opposed to Netstat. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, less, less characters to type. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally more efficient, right? <laughs> exactly. Efficiency above all. Absolutely. Well, you want to talk about uh, firm because this is this is something new to me because I don't I don't really mess around with that. Okay. The only reason I wanted to put firm in here is because sometimes if you're using IP tables for for uh, your firewall, making making your firewall rules in IP tables is kind of or making them persistent rather is kind of a pain. You can set up scripts in your IF dash up down and stuff like that. And there are utilities called like IP tables save and IP tables restore and things like that. But that just seemed like fairly cumbersome to me. And then I found this utility, which is actually a syntax wrapper called firm, F E R M. And if you install firm, it comes with a sort of quasi sensible default configuration. It's very easy to figure out and it gives you a sort of human readable configuration syntax that overlays on top of IP tables that allows you to read and write IP tables rules. It's basically you put the rules into firm.conf or the comp.d like sub configurations, and then it writes out the IP tables rules underneath. So you don't have to deal with configuring IP tables directly. And then it runs as a service too. It's in system. Um, yeah. System D or whatever your, you know, whether you're SysV or SystemD or whatever. And you can set it to auto start at boot up and everything. So it makes IP tables, rules, configurations persistent. I just found it really useful. I don't want to really go into firm. Uh, the syntax should be pretty straightforward if you look at the default comp config file. And uh, it just it just makes configuring and, and auto starting your IP tables rules really simple. 
So I find it a handy utility, and I pretty much put it on every server that I run now. Uh, it just makes my life easier, and it'd probably be very easy to integrate into, you know, like a Chef playbook or Ansible or Puppet or any, or any of those two. So that's all I really wanted to say about Firm, but it's out there. It's cool. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Um, so, like, we're going to move into other tools. Now, some of these are kind of troubleshooting tools, and then some are useful for um, diagnosing certain problems or symptoms or issues that you may or may not be having. So, some are going to be pretty plain and simple, like uh, our very first one, which is Ping. And uh, most people are are pretty familiar with Ping, right? It's the uh, You send an ICPM, uh, ICMP echo request to a network host. And there are several flags depending upon which operating system you're using, but uh, you can send a, a ping that uh, goes to a certain address. Um, one one thing I've used uh, in the past, and again, this would be dating me, right? Is the uh, you ping the network broadcast to uh, basically get all the ARP addresses to come back to you. <laughs> most most machines will be happy with responding to a broadcast ping. Uh, and by the way, you have to do broadcast pings, uh, ping dash B as root. It, you can't do it as a regular user. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that can definitely, because if you're trying to find a rogue out there on the network and you're like, oh, what the hell, IP address, or you, you configured something and it's like DHCP and you can't figure out what address it is, a ping dash B can definitely help you out. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're on a switch network or managed switch network where, uh, you know, you're not going to see the traffic from every other port. <laughs> But they're, right. if they're in the same broadcast domain, you can uh, ping the broadcast and get everybody to say, "Oh yeah, I'm here. Hello," <laughs> and, then you, <laughs> and then you'll 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 hear them all. But yeah, being a it, it is a slightly uh, um, uh, yeah obtrusive <laughs> obtrusive oh, yeah. ping. So uh, yeah, generally it would require uh, elevator privileges and knowing exactly what you're doing because you shouldn't you shouldn't do that uh by any means on a regular basis or uh, any any other reason just uh, just to do basically uh network detection for devices within your broadcast uh another great tool is traceroute i believe in windows is tracert i did want uh, i did want to mention the other thing i put in the ping oh, command yeah. which was the dash f flag it's another sure. thing you probably shouldn't do but one thing ping dash f does it's called a flood ping it basically doesn't there's no um, wait time on the pings. It just sends pings out to a host as fast as it can send them and then comes back. And this is particularly good for finding hardware issues, like actual layer one problems on your network. If you've got like a bad cable or a port that's flaky or something like that, um, a flood ping will show that that error really quickly where a normal ping will not because there, there's enough time and enough latency in the network on a regular ping to get those pings back and everything looks fine. But if you flood ping it and you're starting to get a lot of packet loss, you might want to look at your cables. Yeah. Does that require elevated privileges as well or not? I think it does. I think it, it is a root only thing. Let's try. 192. <laughs> <laughs> 127. Uh, oh. Yes, not allowed for user. Yes, it does require uh, privileges. Yeah, which which is sensible, <laughs> considering what it does. Yeah, you're, I mean the flood is a literal flood. It is flooding your network. But like I said, I've I've found more than more than a few bad cables or bad um, cramps using that w with hosts that look like they're operating normally, but you're getting weird behavior. If you send it a flood bang and you're getting a lot of packet loss, yeah, you've got a problem. 
Yeah, and like uh, just to give you an idea, I just I just pinged uh, my uh, <laughs> my file server here for less than one and a half seconds, and it did over uh, eighty five hundred packets. So it it it's a lot of packets all at once. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It has it has its purpose though. Yes, yes. Uh, don't don't abuse that. That so it'd be uh, would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> If you're on your, no, your own network, go for it. You know, if you're on somebody else's network, maybe think twice. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on to trace route. So trace route, uh, like we said, is a uh, is a is available. Yeah, pretty much uh, built in. It's uh, I've only like run across a couple of systems that didn't have it installed by default, but it's so easy to install. Um, and it's a great utility because it can show you uh, basically how you get from A to B. So let's say you want to see how your network you know, traverses to, uh, you know, google.com or uh, lhspodcast.info, you could do a trace route against that. Um, a couple of the flags that are important there is the, uh, there's one for turning off DNS re- resolution, um, just because that normally slows things down. I think that's D, isn't it? If uh, I remember N. correctly. N, okay, yeah, no name, yeah, named, yeah, whatever. <laughs> new, new, I, I think of N name as resolution. Nu- numeric, generally. Yeah, uh, numeric, yeah. I don't yeah. know what it actually means, but I always think of dash n as numeric. So trace route. All right, now there you go. What do they call it? And and well, it says do not try to map IP addresses. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't have a numeric thing there. But anyway, that's that's what you want to use, and that basically will prevent it from actually wasting time trying to DNS resolve routers and stuff like that. Which uh, not every ISP or any uh, you know. Um, a peering network or you know, backbone network will have an IP or have a DNS resolution on the IP addresses for their routers and stuff like that. I remember we had to do that for all of our routers inside of Time Warner <laughs> when I was doing that, which was always fun because you had to make sure that you know you had forward and reverse DNS set up for every every interconnect. Um, and it's kind of tedious and a pain in the butt, so a lot of places don't do it. Uh, so, uh, turning that, uh, off or using that switch, that minus, that minus N, lowercase N does turn off name resolution. So you'll only get IP addresses. And, uh, of course, uh, like most of the time, if there's some sort of, um, uh, network traverse or, uh, buh, 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 uh, what would you call it? Uh, buh. there's a, what, transit issue or something like that? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. When you go into a private network and you can't actually reach the host, but it's traversing the network and it gets to the host anyway. So if right, you have some sort of private network, yeah. yeah, you'll see some stars and then you'll maybe get to the destination. And that's, that's normal at normally at the beginning and the end, because there's certain portions of the network that generally are not uh, necessarily uh, like if you do any type of NAT network address translation, those kind of areas there will not resolve, but it knows there's a hop that exists. It's just that it, uh, it can't resolve anything from that hop. Um, so like, you're going to see that occasionally, uh, and it won't come back with an address either. So uh, don't be surprised. <laughs> and don't assume that's a problem. Uh, that's That's been around for, for well, as long as NAT has been around. TraceRoute can also help you find network loops and stuff like that. Because you'll get a lot of bounce backs. You'll also find if there's a route that's bogus or something or a transit hop that's going in a direction that you don't want it to. There's also a TTL that you can only do 30 hops with a trace route. And generally speaking, if you can't get from point A to point B in 30 hops, there's some kind of issue. So it's a, it's a great diagnostic tool and uh, widely used as a network resource. All right. So I think, uh, 
think we should change the order of these a little bit. Um, but maybe, I don't know. What do you think? So like, uh, the next one we have on the list is TCP dump. And this is really for analyzing the data that's going across, uh, your particular connection, your, your, whether that be your Ethernet interface or your Wi Fi interface. It allows you to see all the TCP traffic, uh, that comes across. And I think you had a second command here, uh, T Shark. I don't think I've used that one before. So maybe you can enlighten us on that. T Shark is the CLI version of Wireshark. If you're familiar with Wireshark, which is a utility you can download on Windows and other things, it has a graphical environment. It can actually, it's a network packet sniffer. It write things, write things out in uh, PCAP files and also will reconstruct PCAP files and show you uh, network conversations. T Shark is the CLI version of Wireshark. Uh, and it, I don't know if it's as robust as Wireshark because Wireshark can do things like if you haven't, if you have all the packets recorded from like a SIP conversation, you can actually play the phone call and stuff like that. Um, yeah, with, with the PCAP file, but I don't, I don't know if T-Shark can do that. It might be able to, but it's like I say, it's just the CLI version of Wireshark. So if anybody's familiar with that, that's what it is. It's just kind of a, a more robust TCP dump it has a different configuration syntax, but they basically do the same thing. Yeah. And so this will only be traffic that you can actually hear from your particular connection. So um, now in the, in the olden days, but probably you use this probably more than, than, than someone like a regular user would, because uh, in, as an ISP, you can also, if you're troubleshooting someone else's connection, you can mirror a port, on a uh, on a switch and watch all the traffic that occurs on another switchboard. And I'm yes. sure you've, you've had to do this. For- I've had to do that many times, yes, where you can have one port that actually is fed the same packets that go to all the other ports on a switch, a managed switch, for example. And that's really handy for debugging because you're going to get all the traffic going everywhere through that switch, no matter where it's source is and what its destination is. And if you're trying to troubleshoot network topology, that's really very handy. Yeah. And these are really cool utilities that you can use on the command line again. So um, yeah, there are GUI utilities, but if you're only, you know, u- user interface is actually the command line. Uh, these are kind of the go-to utilities for that particular activity. Um, and, you know, depending upon what you're using it for, obviously if you're in an ISP where you may need to, you know, do something a little more interesting against other traffic. Um, you probably use something a little more robust, uh, probably GUI based because <laughs> it is a little bit better, easier and quicker to rebuild the traffic. Cause I had, I've have used a, a Wireshark for years and, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's a great, great utility for the, the GUI, but, uh, I haven't used T Shark, so I might have to check that out just for, uh, for personal information. All right. Cool. So the other one you have here is Nmap, and uh, I recall this as uh, as kind of the, the the port scanner. The very first, uh, like everybody had Nmap <laughs> utilities to check their 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 connection to see if they were uh, they had open ports that they shouldn't have had and stuff like that. And uh, this has kind of become a pretty much in everybody's toolbox as a as a network guy or a server admin. To kind of ensure that uh, certain, you know, you have your IP tables all set up. You're not exposing services that you should or should not expose. Like if it's just a web server, it should you know, only have, you know, port 80 and port 443 and ensuring that you're not exposing your SSH ports or any other ports uh, of interest that could be hit by some port scanner, which is most likely another NMAP 
<laughs> out there uh, running rogue or uh, running in nefarious mode, uh, searching for uh, anything that answers back on your particular IP address. And uh, it does have a really useful information. And um, I, I haven't used it in a long time just because I had no need to. But uh, it provides a very useful uh, 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 detailed report back uh, on, on the connection based upon what kind of flags you set for it. And I think there's there's quite a few different uh, UIs uh, that you can plug in front of that as well, whether that be a web UI or even a, I think there's a graphical UI for it now as well, isn't there? Yeah, there are all kinds of utilities you can put on top of Nmap, but in its barest form, it's a really nice utility. I use it a lot to make sure that Windows firewalls are configured properly on PCs. You can confirm which ports are open, which ports are closed, whether you have a, a source target um you know, scope set correctly, things like that. Really handy, handy for figuring that out. And I have also used it in kind of a, like the ARP scanner thing where you're trying to figure out what's on the network. You can actually do an entire subnet and just like ping out, like you can do a dash P zero and pick a port like port 80 and just see everything, every device on a network that's responding on port 80, even if it doesn't ping back. Uh, because it know, because it will check ARPs and see if they exist and whether or not you can actually get a, an echo reply, it will check ports anyway and see if they're available. You can also do UDP port scans and stuff like that to make sure there's not like, uh, SIP listeners or something that's just hanging out on UDP ports like BitTorrent clients and, and, and whatnot. You can, you can see a lot of information using NetMap. It's very flexible and very robust. And if you're trying to figure out, any kind of connectivity issue, particularly with any client on your local network, Nmap is probably an invaluable tool and why it's still so widely used. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the next tool is, uh, I don't have it on my computer, but it's called IFTOP. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. I use this one a little bit now and then. I, it's not something that I pull out of the toolbox every single day. But I always put it on machines, especially servers or anything where I need to make sure uh, it's, 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 it's super handy for like a web service. So like if you're running an Apache server, for example, uh, what you can do is, uh, I mean, for you and for most people, it would just be a, a yum install or a, a DNF install or a apt install, um, IF, <clears throat> IF top. And what it does is it gives you a list, uh, kind of like a process list, kind of like what top does, but instead of showing you CPU processes, it shows you network connections. It will tell you how many network connections are at your machine at any given time. It's a live view and it will do a top down for number of connections and number of bytes sent. And so you can like, if your server is running slow or something like your Apache server is not responding or whatever, you can see where all these packets are coming from, whether you're getting hammered, whether you've got a thousand, uh, sockets open, stuff like that. And I find it, you know, very handy to see if, an, if a machine's being attacked. And that's what I use it for mostly. But if you just want to see what kind of traffic is coming into your machine and where from and what kind of traffic is going out for that matter, IFTOP is a pretty handy utility. This will give you more information than what you can see in like, let's say Edmon or something like that. I don't even know what that is. Edmon, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, never mind. I won't mention it. <laughs> Edmon sort of a front end to a bunch of different utilities. So you can see network, I.O., and a bunch of other things on your particular computer. Um, 
I'm surprised you haven't. You don't know that one. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm surprised I don't know that one too. I'm, that, I'm using it right now for the first time. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to Nmon and then you uh, type in like uh, I don't know, like stupid like N is for network or something like that. So you can do oh sorry Nmon. Let's see, and then you can do yeah you can do CPU network anything else. Um, yeah, it's uh, I've actually used that a lot. I don't even know what the front end for it is. Um, but uh, it looks like curses. But the thing is, yeah, uh, like if you if you do nmon n and you see like you're you're getting your counters, your packets in, and stuff like that. But if you use if top, you actually see the connections and the directions. So if you have a second to install that, you definitely should check that out. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm, I can't use it here. I have it actually. Well, yeah, whatever. It's not. <laughs> I'll need to install it on the computer. I'm uh. I'm not using it for this. <laughs> I think <laughs> right uh, I think you might find it a little more interesting than Nmon. Um, it's you'll see when you when you actually run it. Um, it it actually shows a connection. It shows the source. Shows the the destination. Shows how many packets have traversed, and it actually shows you the direction of the traffic. Like literally, like a you know a greater than pointing one direction, a greater than po- or less than pointing the other direction. It shows you where the packets are coming from, where they're going to, how much. And it does it, like I said, in a, in a quantity top down. So the top senders and top receivers will be at the top. So you can see, you know, which Chinese IP address is, is pummeling your box. <laughs> yeah. So just like an H top or something like that, it shows you the processes and whatnot. So yes, absolutely. And there's also another one called IO top, which is, this is uh, totally aside because there's nothing to do with networking, but it does the exact same thing for uh, memory and disk write, read and write, like anything that requires IO, like whatever, you know, whatever process is writing most to your hard disk and reading most from your hard disk or writing to swap or, or anything like that, IOTOP is the same thing for that. And that would expose exactly which app or which process. Process. Yeah, which process ID. Oh, that's yep. interesting. Oh, I'm gonna have to check both those out now. <laughs> I've been using the uh the really weak utility apparently uh with Enmon because <laughs> it, it shows sort of like the high uh, high level, the you know, the fifty thousand foot view of those particular things. So um yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm gonna have to I'll have to check those two things out. Uh, the right. next two next two utilities we have are all DNS related. So you want to go over these? Um, well, the first one most people are probably familiar with is NS Lookup, which is Name Server Lookup. That allows you to query a computer that does DNS and result. You know, do your name resolution, whether it's your A records, your Quad A records, your PTRs, anything like that. Um, it actually create when you start up NS Lookup, it actually creates like a you're in like a little shell um, and you can type the commands in there. And if you, if you don't do that, you can do everything from the command line as well. And it's, it's kind of useful. I find the syntax a little clunky with NS lookup. So I don't, I don't particularly use it that much, but I do use dig. I think dig is an easier command to use. Basically the way I use it is you type dig the record you want and the host and you get output. That's, that's all it is. Now, so, the nice part about NS Lookup that I like is that uh, on the fly, you can switch which DNS server you're actually looking at for that resolution. You can do that with DIG, too. All you have to do oh. with DIG is you type, like, for example, let me give you a, let me let me say I wanted to use Google to do the lookup instead of my own server. You would do, like, DIG, uh, let's say, quad A record for bluecows.com. 
at 8.8.8.8. And it uses uh, Google to do the query instead of whatever servers are default configured. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's neat. <laughs> so, yeah, if you use NS lookup and you just do NS lookup and not type in anything, you get like a little command line. Uh, so an application interface basically to it. And you can just type in server space and then the server you want to use. And then you can just type in the, you know, the, the domain or whatever address you're looking for. So, but like, this is kind of cooler. Yeah. I, I didn't know you could do the at, um, and which address that that's actually really slick. It's not the ads, not together, by the way, it's separate. It's dig space, you know, record space, host space at the name. So some, some implementations might allow you to put the host and the, and the at, part together but it hasn't worked in my in my thing the at has always been a space away all right i'll have to play with that i haven't (laughs) haven't used that directly on the command line like that i have used dig before but uh yeah normally just high level just just checking things and stuff like that but uh yeah knowing your uh your your dns information that's those are both two really good utilities to kind of dig into uh any type of any type of name resolution issues you may or may not be having uh, depending upon if you've like, you know, changed a, a DNS entry or let's say you're using a, a dynamic DNS on your local box and you just happen to change IP addresses, you can actually see where it's been propagated and stuff like that. And if somebody's having an issue, you can also kind of test and see where 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 they're having a particular issue on connecting. Yep. And I just threw another one in here to to put maybe a, a final point on these utilities uh, that kind of rem- got into my brain because we were talking about uh, dig and stuff is one that I use fairly frequently, which is who is uh, this is not necessarily installed by default on your machine, but an app install who is away. And a lot of people will use this to find out who owns a domain. You can do like a, who is, you know, uh, LHS podcast.info, whatever. And it will show you, well, it, it may show you information and stuff like that, but it will show you the name server records and things like that for the domain. It'll show you when it's going to expire and stuff like that. And a lot of people use it for that. But one thing a lot of people don't do with who is, which I find really interesting, is it will show you who owns an IP address. You can do a who is on an IP and it will return all of the, the nitty gritty information. So if, you know, you've been banging with IF top and you've got a machine that's being hammered on with Apache and you do an IF top and you see it's at uh, 52.6.7.33. Well, you can do a who is on that and it will show you which, you know, country, i.e. China, um, that is hammering on your machine, which can be useful in some cases, especially if you're going to try and pursue uh, an abuse report or anything like that. So, Hey, that one's an, that one's an EC2 instance on Amazon. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you never know. So, <laughs> so that's somebody uh, that's paid to paid to spam you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I used to who is a lot. You know, uh, yeah, definitely tracking down if you can even report people. You know, after you've blocked them and stuff like that, going through your blockers list, and occasionally you want to like, ah, eh, let me see if I can report this person for malicious activity, and especially if they're on a you know a known ISP or whatever. It's always uh, kind of good to track those down and report them, uh, and they normally give you a uh, a reporting uh, address too, like an email address or a URL or whatever. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, org abuse ref. That's what you want, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> abuse. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we've substantially 
beat everybody's head to death <laughs> with all these <laughs> utilities. I mean, there's so many of them that I think uh, we don't even think about. And uh, we probably use, I mean, most people probably use IF config all the time, right? Just to kind of see like, oh, what, what's my stupid IP address? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, IP might be a better option than that. IP is very robust. It contains a lot of information that is in other commands and kind of rolls them all into one. And I saw that the neighbor command actually has the, has been written with an O-U-R as well too. So if you're one of those people who speaks English, uh, speaks the, uh, the Royal English, uh, then if you type IB neighbor with a U in it, you'll, you'll still be, uh, get the results. <laughs> that's so useful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, I think that's, uh, that's all we have for the topic. I hope, uh, this spurs, uh, some more feedback on, uh, on what we got right and what we didn't get right or, you know, what we should have covered and what we missed. So, uh, please, uh, please send us feedback on that on, uh, maybe commands you're using for your, your networking that, uh, maybe we didn't cover or maybe there's a utility out there that, uh, uh front ends some of these things that make it even better and easier to manage stuff via the CLI, uh, that would be useful for, our listeners. So we'd definitely like to hear those. Yeah, absolutely. If there's any feedback either way or a utility that you use that somehow we grossly overlooked, please let us know. We'll definitely talk about it. Uh, maybe it's something that we should know about and should have talked about. But I mean, of course, there's there's probably a million utilities that are out there that do great things that we just don't know about. So, but I think this is a good core. Yeah, it's definitely a good good coverage of stuff. And most of the stuff should be installed on every distribution. There's a few things that may or may not. Sometimes NetTools is not installed, and that's where uh, some of these come from. So uh, you might need to install that. So you'll get prompted that says, oh, you, you don't have this command. Uh, you should uh, apt get, you know, NetTools. <laughs> so don't be surprised if you went with a minimal install that you don't have some of these uh, tools that exposes uh, some of these uh, commands. Yep. Absolutely. I've found that a lot of the Debian distributions lately, even the brand new ones, don't come with NetTools installed. Even if you select at the very beginning when you're setting up the server, the like basic system packages or system utilities option in task cell that you still don't get net utils, which to me seems really stupid. I, I just feel like net utils should be automatically installed no matter what. Because if you because right out of the box you should be able to tell what your what your IP address is. I guess I, I'm assuming IP is not part of that package. IP probably works without it, but uh, net net tools is, you know, this is one of those things you should have. Yeah. Yeah. I see. We've got a few comments. I have no idea what Tony's talking about, but <laughs> 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 I see uh, KD2WLL is talking about uh, a good follow-up on uh, firm. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely probably talk about firewalls in the future. It's, it's a very, large topic i think that can't be done justice with just covering some utilities and uh that's good that you're uh, you're playing with if top I, I can't wait till uh till i can have a little time with it myself all right really good i think this has been a good conversation we're looking forward to any feedback we get and of course we'll address anything that comes up in a future episode and uh talk about all those utilities that we have somehow forgotten about in this discussion so with that, let's go ahead and move on to our announcements and feedback. I don't have any announcements that I can think of, so we're just going to do one bit of feedback. This was a comment on YouTube. It came in a few days ago, about a week ago, I think, and he says he's a Linux. Oh, this is from DemDev, by the way. 
He says, I'm a Linux newbie typed in apt install discord, but it doesn't know where to locate it. How do I make it where you can download it? I also wanted to download stuff from snap, but it couldn't connect to it. Help. So I responded that snap install discord is what you would use if you have snapd installed. Otherwise you would install snapd first by doing sudo apt install snapd. And apparently he tried that and said, it said snapd was already installed. So he tried to install discord again, but it just simply said unable to connect to snap store or something like that. So I'm not sure I can sit here and diagnose why your snap doesn't connect to the snap store. Um, it yeah, I already have. responded to it. So, like, okay, that what that was my response, not yours. That's okay. <laughs> Which one? Oh, the, <laughs> the snap first install Discord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so well, well, I just so. did that 30, 39 minutes ago, whatever, <laughs> before the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the the thing I could find if you can't connect to the Snap Store uh, that was recommended on one of the you know various posts was that you need to do a Snap Refresh Snap D and then a System Control Restart Snap D. Apparently, this uh, this will generally fix any issues with your uh, Snap Store connecting. Uh, if you're an Ubuntu-based uh, distro and you're using Snaps, then uh, yeah, installing Discord via Snap is probably the easiest way. I don't even think it's included in the repo. Um, there is a Debian that you can download directly from Discord and install. Um, but uh, yeah, again, that comes with you know buyer beware because who knows. <laughs> <laughs> if it will run right, I know uh, I have broken installs with it. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, if you want to via, do it via Snap, that that's the way to do it. And then to uh, get your Snap store actually connecting properly, go ahead and try the refresh and then the restart of the Snap D, and hopefully that resolves it for you. Uh, otherwise, you can go directly to uh, Discord and download the deb file and install that via, you know, um, you know, apt install and you know wherever you download the deb file to, and that should get you going. Uh, otherwise, obviously, you can use uh, the the web interface and, and use it inside of a, a tab inside of the browser. But I know you probably want the client, so uh, yeah. So those are your those are your options right now. But uh, I did respond with uh, with that fix as well to. Uh, to YouTube, which apparently he probably already saw because uh, <laughs> he responded to the other comment quite quickly. I, I will say that when I install Discord on a Linux machine, I always get the deb file from Discord directly. I do not install snaps, if at all possible. And the only thing I would say is that every once in a while, I will download it on a machine that is missing one of the required packages to run Discord. And when you do a dpackage I on the package, it will bomb out and say this package is not installed. It's really easy to fix that. All you do is an apt-f install. After that, it will install a necessary package, and then Discord will load fine. And that has always worked for me on every machine I've tried it on. So if it doesn't install by default by using the dpackage command for the deb, it's usually one missing dependency. And apt-f or apt-fix-broken, or not fix-broken. Missing. Yeah, fix-missing will take care of the issue in Discord to install fine. So, so. you use a dpackage tech I for those ones yes. you download manually? Oh, yep. I just use apt. I always do apt install and dot slash the file. Or yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I have dpackage is so ingrained in me. I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> use the app command for that. 
Yeah, I always use the app command because it automatically grabs anything that's missing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about like, oh, you broke everything because it doesn't have dependencies. <laughs> it, it is it is so programmed into my muscle memory that to to apt a packet like a an actual package instead of a package that's in a repo is yeah. is like it feels foreign. Even though I have done it before, yeah. I just <laughs> yeah, I probably haven't used dpackage tacki and. Probably five to ten years. <laughs> all right, so I'm old. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just I know it's just yeah, I used to do that, and then I always always had issues with it, and then I started just using apt because it can consume a file and and fix everything automatically, and yeah, so it just always worked, you know, unless there was something that yeah definitely could not be supported, then it would it would break there too, and then well, all bets are off. Okay, so just do it Bill's way, whatever. <laughs> you can do it any way you want, but I'm just saying it does work if you just do an apt install and then point it to the actual file in your file system. All right, fair enough. Uh, thanks, DemDev, for the feedback, and hopefully that'll work for you and you can get on Discord and we'll see you connected to our server very, very soon. All right, it looks like Cheryl's back just in time to do the social media roundup. So I think we'll go ahead and let her open up her mic and talk about the new subscribers, supporters, and live participants we have. Okay, I can do that. So we did not have any new subscribers or Patreons this week, but we did have several Facebook people, including Renan Sneros, Moad Akbar Ahmed, uh, Vander Sun, Rodolfo Tagliaferri, Joe Michael, James Varnes, Tom, Thomas Clark, Capacuatro Siod, John Lawson, Carlos Silva, D. Mann, Valerie Gribbensia, and William Haggard. Somehow you got Lawson out of Johnson, so I'm just going to say John Johnson. Oh, Okay, sorry. I have a dog <laughs> licking my leg, so that's not helping things out. Oh, so. so the Ellen Lick turned it into Lawson. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, yeah. Uh, on Twitter, we have at Jackie Thomas. On YouTube, we have Zakatuga. On Discord, we have KF0KEP, J Eric, M0KVI, Project Nexus, KT4KB John, Digital Beat, KD2WLL, and Seldeeb one one two. For merchandise sales, there are none. For mailing lists, there's nothing. And for the live chat, we had Ted W A zero E I R, Tony K four X S S, Winston K D two W L L, Robert W one R C P, and Darren V K six E K. And that is it. Yep, sorry, just got the VK6EK in there under the wire because I just noticed he was in the chat. So, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for anybody else to pop up. So, yeah, I see we got one more that uh, joined Discord while we had the show going on there, and that was Jasmine as well. So, well, it'll probably get missed because it was on the day of the show. <laughs> oh, that's well, the Celta EB12 was on the day of the show too. So, let me go ahead and include Jasmine. So, all right, there. All, all done. And uh, KD2WLL Winston is uh, someone who just got into the Discord and said he was going to join tonight, and he's here, and he's uh, already participated in the show. So that's awesome. So thanks for being here. Glad to have you on board. 
And with that, we have come down to the end of the show. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up as the uh, dogs continue to bark in the background. (laughs) Hopefully that hasn't been coming through too bad, but it is what it is. The house is open, the weather is beautiful, and we're not going to be shut up and living in air conditioning anymore. So anyway... This has been our deep dive episode number 482 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And we thank you for being here and we'll hope you'll catch you for the next one. I'm Ross K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine. NHS show. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.